Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have an incredibly special guest for you guys today. Dr. Darren Collins, a very dear friend of mine, he is also now, since October, the Chief Executive Officer for the Canine Health Foundation. And I just love this. Darren was the Director of Animal Health Programs at Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. He is a longtime Saluki breeder, and he brings an amazing dog person focus to this incredibly important organization within the American Kennel Club. All right, guys, are you planning your next litter of puppies? Or maybe you just finished your foundation bitch and you're ready to start health testing. Embark, creator of the highest rated dog DNA tests on the market, offers specialized testing just for breeders. And while they're offering a few different tests, only the Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit was made to provide breed-relevant disease screening for your purebred dogs. It includes traits testing, such as coat color and body size, DLA diversity testing, breed ancestry, easy-to-download OFA submission reports, and the only genetic coefficient of inbreeding test available. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to enhance their breeding program, including me, through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK to take $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK. So, Darren, welcome. I am so excited that you're here to talk to us. Yay! Yay! Hi, Laura. <laughs> How are you, dear? Great. Excellent. Excellent. So, you've been a Pure Dog Talk listener for a while, so you know the ropes. So, let's have a little 411. Tell us how you got involved in purebred dogs in the first place, why you chose Salukis, and a little bit about your history that brought you to this very exciting opportunity. I'm happy to tell you my story, and I've just been sort of rethinking it as I've been doing some bio sketch for some sweepstakes judging assignments that I'm doing, and it's always fun to look back over years and see that trajectory of how you got to where you are today, but I grew up in central Illinois in a farming community, and We always had hunting dogs. My dad and brothers hunted, and I was the default dog handler. (laughs) And we had Britneys. I don't know why, but we just did. I wanted a pet dog, a purebred dog that I could do something with. Even at 12, (laughs) I knew I wanted to do this. And I talked my dad to letting us share a dog. 
one that would hunt for him and show for me. And so we got a Brittany, Andrew Duke of Bel Air was his name. And Andy was a very bullheaded Brittany that I made my best effort at showing. I used to go to handling classes and I remember using the lawnmower to cut out in the grass my show ring. And I would practice my dog show in the backyard. I was really serious about it. And at handling class, there was this very glamorous, exotic, she always reminded me of Mary Tyler Moore with a dog, with bouffant hair and capri slacks and very fashionable tops and sensible shoes. And she had this exotic dog with her. And the dog was a Saluki. And I was 12. I don't know, 10, 11, 12. I was so intimidated by this woman that I never really talked to her. And I was devastated when she didn't show up to class, which she did half the time, skipped out. And as fate would have it, I knew at that point I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a veterinarian, and I was a good student. I was a great student. I really had to focus on school and not be distracted by dogs, et cetera. So it wasn't really until after vet school that I got a Saluki. And I got a Saluki that nobody else wanted, that he had recovered from a broken leg. And then that was my experimental Saluki that... I made him live with me in an apartment in Chicago, and it was Darren and John. His name was John, short for Majon, because all these Saluki people mm -hmm. give their Salukis Arabic names, yes. myself included. Yes. And John lived with me in Chicago, and then I moved him to Seattle mm -hmm. in 1991 when I took the position at the zoo. Mm -hmm. And then I had heard about. George and Sally Bell. I was just going to say, I knew you worked a lot with George and Sally. I called them up and I asked them if we could meet. I wanted them to meet my dog, who was down from their Belson Braun Salukis. And then we became best friends, fast okay. friends. And I was their house sitter, dog sitter. They would take off for judging assignments and I would move in. And pretend like I had a kennel full of Salukis. I had a library established. I had photos and art on the wall. And I was just happy as could be to just research Salukis through all the reading. And at one year, they were taking off for an extended stay, judging assignments in South Africa and Europe and Australia. And I was told that I would be interviewed when I got back by Sally about Salukis. She would find out how much I learned. And then we had a really great reunion when they were home. And she actually said, we want you to have one of the pups that are there at the house. Mm -hmm. And that was Saluki number two. And it just sort of grew from there. I was on the road with them a lot to go to dog shows or I would show. And then that's when George in 94 had his garden assignment at Westminster. 
and I ended up going and he handed me his video camera, which he was always with and said, film me. And that actually proved to be a really interesting moment because it changed my life forever, if you will. Mm -hmm. I was actually in a a very coveted position within Madison Square Garden that was only reserved for network TV cameramen who weren't there because they weren't filming during the day. And I sat myself up there and actually did a bang up job for George and filmed his assignment. And that didn't go unnoticed because when Dave Fry and George strategized how to film the breeds during the day at the garden, I was one of the camera people selected and had that for about 15 years until which time the contract ended and I was no longer a camera person. But (laughs) at that point, the habit of going to New York in February had already been established. So I love going to New York, still do, and love that dog show. But I met people at that point and one of those individuals was influential in helping me actually sort of surface when the search came out for a CEO for the Canine Health Foundation. So I wasn't honestly looking, but I was entertaining the idea of ending my career at the zoo and working exclusively with dogs. It was an attractive proposition, and I had to think about it for about five seconds. And then, lo and behold, Here I am in Raleigh working with the AKC Canine Health Foundation as their CEO. So I went from working with 300 taxonomic groups and, you know, over a thousand individuals of 600 species to working with one species, but looking at all the divergence within the dog world. And I find that very, very compelling. I am a vet. I love canine health. And I'm very well suited to be in the position that I'm at right now. You really are. I've only been here six months, so I'm still learning the ins and outs of the organization and the job. But it's a phenomenal organization. And I work with phenomenal people. And we're all devoted to dogs and dog health and understanding disease and treatments and cures and diagnostics. It's a phenomenal vortex of opportunity. I love it. I love it. So what's new? What initiatives are you really, really excited about? So I come into this position with the perspective of a dog owner, dog breeder, exhibitor, and I'm a no-nonsense farm veterinarian I keep things in perspective, what I call a reasonable, healthy perspective. But I was in private practice seeing dogs and pets in Chicago prior to moving to Seattle. And I know very well the day-to-day reality of dogs and other pets going to the vet. Not every disease is easily diagnosed. Not every disease or condition is treatable And sometimes we make decisions about end-of-life care. And with the whole perspective from puppies to geriatric dogs. And so for me, the sweet spot is finding the opportunity 
where you build in the best possible welfare, the best possible care Mm -hmm. for the canine patient, family member, realizing the dog lives with humans, the human family, they're also impacted. Right. And so how do you find that comfortable spot where the Mm -hmm. quality of life, the dignity of life is maintained and the relationship is established and maintained where that animal, that dog is well cared for and given the best opportunity to be healthy. That's really what I'm here to see carried out. And so that's, I'm always looking for those opportunities where diagnostics are affordable and they're specific and we're being very strategic about optimization of diagnosis, disease and treatments and maintaining quality of life and care through the life of the dog. That's the sort of age old comment is like, I wish dogs lived longer. And that's true. It's a very authentic. And if a dog lives to be 10 plus, that's great. Mm -hmm. When they live to be 15, it's a real sweet spot to be able to care for an old dog. And Dogs are not throwaway. Dogs are not to be taken for granted. So I respect all life. That's part of what I want to maintain is giving dogs a chance before people surrender their dog to another option or Mm -hmm. the dog is euthanized unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Because so many people in that family where that dog is a family member are impacted. And that includes kids who are future veterinarians. And I want them to honestly feel like the adults in this world are invested in animal health as well as human health, where the dogs aren't overlooked. They are a family member and I want their life to be valued. So we spend, invest a lot of money to find the answers to the questions that are day-to-day questions. Why is my dog sick? Why has my dog got cancer? Why is my dog has seizures? Or why can't I get my dog pregnant? Or (laughs) that one, (laughs) that one, it's a question. It's a concern when it's your question and your concern, but it is a day-to-day reality for so many people. It's great to go home to a healthy dog. It is that hang tight guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. Their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. One of the things that I think is really, really interesting, and I know CHF has had this as sort of a focus before you came, but I suspect 
that you're going to be able to bring more focus to this. And that is the One Health Initiative. The idea, and I want you to explain it better than I can, because that's your job. But, <laughs> but the idea that literally dogs and people are symbiotic almost. Talk about that some and how that relates to Canine Health Foundation. And I know you're involved as an advisor to an organization in Seattle that's working on this project as well. So One Health is near and dear to my heart, my profession, my passion. In 2008-9, I decided it was time to take a break from being a full-time zoo veterinarian. I moved to Indonesia and I left my dogs in Seattle with Sandy Fry, who may listen to this segment. But I knew I didn't want to take a dog to Asia, but I did want this opportunity. And I studied bird flu. I studied avian influenza. I studied a disease that was zoonotic, which means it's shared between people and animals, between birds and people. And this disease, Vortex, alignment was global in perspective. It was mostly isolated in Asia, but it was a result of environmental conditions. And it was that vortex of people and animals and the environment where there was a shared health concern. Mm -hmm. So I saw this in real time where a disease was potentially giving rise to a pandemic. Right which in 2020 became a similar story with COVID. And we're now seeing bird flu again, if I understand correctly. We're seeing bird flu in the U.S. and the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Not for the first time either, but not all birds are created equal. Turkeys are very sensitive. And that disease can devastate the agricultural industry. Right. And that's why governments our own included, USDA, are so focused on zoonotic disease. So that One Health paradigm looks at what are the relationships, where are the overlaps between people and animals in the environment? And it makes all the sense to me. Mm -hmm. And we are here in the Western world, in the U.S., somewhat removed from, if I want to eat a chicken, I go buy a chicken. I get it cooked through a drive-through. But if you live in Asia, oftentimes, very traditionally speaking, you are producing your own flock of chickens. That The byproduct is, you know, you'll eat one of those every once in a while, and you're going to process, dress, kill that bird right then and there and consume it. And maybe it's mom or grandma who's cooking the bird, killing the bird, cleaning the bird, and cooking it. And what was happening is people were coming down with this virus and they were becoming sick and some were dying. Hmm. So that is a case of a zoonotic disease. It's a One Health story. And you can learn about One Health by just considering what diseases do your pets have, your dogs, that are contagious to yourself. Brucellosis is one. I was just going to say, brucellosis, there's this terrible TikTok video going around social media right now. Some random human in South Carolina with her brucellosis positive dog running around dog parks. I'm like, why? Why is it? What? (laughs) Jaw dropping. (laughs) Well, part of the educational outreach of Canine Health Foundation is letting people know, reminding them that we're all animals and they're 
susceptible to some of the same diseases that their dogs are. Rabies is another one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on the environment, that One Health story does include that environmental component, but sanitation, disinfection, natural environment, you know, your dog can be exposed to pathogens that exist in the environment because they do, or they are fecal or urine transmitted, let's say leptospirosis. Yes. And people can get lepto. It's not typical in the Western world, but in other parts of the world, lepto is a real concern for humans. And I'm not a physician. I'm not a medical doctor, but I know a lot about a lot of different species and diseases. And in different points in my career, I have been the substitute medical doctor because science is science. Sciencey stuff? Come on, Dr. Darren. Really? Science? Come on. <laughs> so uh, being the CEO for Canine Health Foundation was this amazing opportunity where, for my term anyway, with the organization, I can actually make some inroads into building awareness about what it is to be a responsible dog owner and be the healthcare provider for a family member who is a four-legged family member, a dog. But don't forget that humans are impacted as well. We live so closely with these dogs. Mine sleep in my bed with me. And, you know, I have to remind even myself, wash my hands. And I posted recently on Twitter about washing your dog bowls. You know, just about sanitation and being clean, being smart and being proactive. Another part of what I like to focus on is preventive health. Yeah. And that is thinking ahead, not waiting for the crisis to happen and plan ahead, vaccinate and stay on top of sanitation and disinfection Mm -hmm. and just understand that pathogen possibility of transfer between dogs and dogs or dogs and people or dogs and other species. I'm really well suited for this job. I love it's perfect. It's just perfect. (laughs) And conditions. My mom was a nurse and I love sitting at the kitchen table listening to my aunts and my mom talk about their jobs as registered nurses Mm -hmm. in the human hospital setting. I was six or seven or eight, maybe, mm-hmm. listening to those conversations. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. My grandmother was an RN. So she was one of the early RNs that came out after World War II. And she ended her career as the chief of epidemiology at our local hospital. And she was hysterical. She would get so mad at us, my brother and I running around playing with dogs. Wash your hands, Lord Jane! <laughs> She was from Tennessee, so (laughs) it was always Laura Jane when I was in trouble. (laughs) But yeah, I agree. And I think that there is an enormous amount of potential to bring forward someone with a real honest to God dedication to purebred dogs and incorporate that knowledge and that passion into this particular position. I'm so excited. And that's the history of this 27-year-old organization that is an AKC affiliate organization. And so much of what we do and have done has been the result of our alignment with the American Kennel Club. And bottom line, though, we are here for all dogs. Yes. And no one is excluded. 
no dogs are excluded. And in my global citizen perspective, you know, I see us as a resource for dogs globally. And we're here to take over the world in terms of canine health and advocate for canine health anywhere internationally, anyone that wants to hear our message and see our work and respond and be a part of our organization, which is key and core. It's about citizen participation, dog owner participation. That can mean dog clubs or humane societies, dog owners, Mm -hmm. individuals or groups can play a role because that's really what it's about, coming together for the benefit of all dogs so that we all benefit. And again, you said it so much better than me while you're the CEO and I'm interviewing you. I I love the purebred dog supporting all dogs. I think that's sort of the point. Like that is amazing. And I think that is a message that isn't heard very often or often enough. That those of us who are purebred dog enthusiasts and supporters and breeders and what have you are dedicating all of our time and all of our effort and all of our money and all of our everything to the health of every dog in the universe, from purebred to street dog. Yeah. You have a unique breed, Spinonis, Mm -hmm. like Salukis. Mm -hmm. You can't take a Spinoni for a walk anywhere and not get stopped. (laughs) Or a wire hair pointer or any of those. (laughs) But their question is always, what breed of dog is that? And that's when you can talk about purebred dogs. But you're honestly just engaging with them because they are interested in dogs. And they know enough that it looks maybe purebred, but it doesn't have to necessarily be. And I love talking to people about dogs. The next question is, how old is he or her? And are they related? You know, it's typical we're walking more than one Saluki at a time. And so dogs bring us together as humans. Yes, absolutely. That. I love that. Dogs make us more human because we have to care for something. We have to live outside of ourselves, make sure the dog gets cared for, fed and watered and bathroom breaks and exercise. And it's a very healing, therapeutic relationship that human-animal bond between dogs and people is phenomenal. And kids pick up on it. Adults pick up on it. It is global. It's not uniquely American. And Part of what's happening in Europe with Ukraine and Russia, the dogs are victims of the war also. It's really tragic in my mind. Yes. I know there is relief and humans are humans and that's our number one priority. But dogs are also, I've seen those amazing, atrocious photos of people trying to carry their pets out of Ukraine. To avoid the conflict. That was one of the things that struck me when it first started. One of the very first things that struck me is all of the conversation and photos and video in every single one of them. Somebody had a dog. They were carrying it. They were walking it. They'd left everything behind, but they had their dog. I mean, just powerful, powerful stuff. And we go to events with our dogs. We throw them in the car, not literally, but they're in the car with us and we spend the whole weekend with them. You know, it's something about being active with your pet dog, which 
could be going to a show or could be going on vacation. I just love seeing dogs together with their humans out and about. And I want to make sure that I'm contributing towards that healthy relationship or I'm involved with an organization that's helping ensure that dogs are staying healthy. You know, you don't take your sick dog on the road. So keeping humans healthy and dogs healthy, that's really what we're about. Excellent. Well, Darren, I, as always, I'm so thrilled that you are here to talk to us and I am absolutely giddy that you are in this position and I know you will do wonderful, wonderful things. So thank you. Thank you, Laura. I'm looking forward to getting back out to the Pacific Northwest later this summer and seeing old familiar faces and making connections with people. So it is for me, it's a continuum of the relationships that have been established And leaning on those relationships, I know that I'll be successful if my friends support me and support the organization. I really appreciate the invitation to be on Pure Dog Talk. And you've got over 300 episodes. Is that Over 500 episodes. Is that crazy or what? 500 episodes, Derek. Can you imagine? (laughs) We can go back and listen to the library of podcasts and hear voices that are gone from individuals who you had the foresight to talk to. I keep trying to get all of them and I can't get to everybody. It's just frustrating. So I'm happy to be one of your podcast episodes and I look forward to possibility of doing this again in the future. Or again, I promise. All right. Thank you, Darren. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you to make sense out of everyday things to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. The Pure Dog Talk patrons support the work we do here by contributing what they can to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons are invited to a private Facebook community where dog people can share applaud, and commiserate together. Our monthly After Dark gatherings provide a virtual get-together for the group. You can find the link to join the best community and purebred dogs right at the top of the homepage at www.puredogtalk.com. While you're there zooming around on the site, check out our Pure Dog Talk swag link. You can share the love by grabbing some of our fun Pure Dog Talk gear. Just remember, your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. 
Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.